Welcome to For the Record with Daniel Fontaine, where we focus on civic and urban issues impacting New Westminster and beyond. For the Record puts it on the record, when and where it counts. Now let's begin. Here is an interview that I did with CBC Radio. Of course, the topic was the Snow Summit and the uh, lack of preparation and how we could perhaps be better prepared to deal with snow events in the future. So here is my interview with the CBC. Snowy and icy roads. It was a reminder of Snowmageddon in 2022, but unlike last time, we knew the weather was coming. So why did it feel like Vancouver was just so woefully unprepared? New Westminster City Councillor Daniel Fontaine was the one who called for a snow summit during that Snowmageddon of 2022, and he is renewing his calls for a summit in light of what happened last night. Hi, Daniel. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me on, Amy. Uh, it was obviously chaotic in the road on the roads last night. So what went through your mind as you sort of followed along with the news of what was happening? Well, I couldn't help but think uh, deja vu, kind of here we go all over again. Uh, although it wasn't perhaps um, as impactful in terms of the length of time back in 2022, as you recall, um, some people, it took them up to 10, 12 hours to get home that night. Um, you know, a, a skip of snow of one to three centimeters of snow resulted in some people taking four to five to six hours to get home last night when it normally would take maybe an hour. Mm-hmm. So it clearly it had an impact. I mean, you look at north of the Fraser, even some parts south of the Fraser roads were just completely impassable. And once again, um, we're left asking a lot of questions uh, and we just simply don't have answers as to why this keeps happening in uh, with relatively low amounts of snow. And that's the thing. This is not the first time we've been caught unprepared. You know, what are some of your thoughts on why this does keep happening? Well, Amy, I think that that's the, the kind of the, one of the reasons why I've been calling for this snow summit is because I simply don't have the answers to why this is happening. I've lived in the lower mainland for a couple of decades. We know with climate change that these should not come as surprises anymore. We know that we're going to have these kind of climactic events that result in in snow at times when we don't expect it and other types of uh, weather phenomenon. So we should be better prepared. And I simply don't know if it's the issue of the the type of brine we're using, lack of salt. Is it drivers? Is it a combination of all the above? That's why the Snow Summit is so important, to bring in the experts, bring in TransLink, bring in the first responders, the road engineers, the, the, the elected officials, other people to come together so we can actually begin providing the public with an answer as to why, with one to three centimeters of snow, they are so impacted and our transportation system comes to a grinding halt. Mm-hmm. We, we should be doing better than that. And I think uh, I think the public deserves the answers. And it, it was late 2012 during uh, Snowmageddon, as I mentioned, that you first called for this snow summit. So here it is, 2024. But what do you hope um, a snow summit will include? What, are, what, what do you envision it being and, and what do you envision it will, will do once mm-hmm. you have it? Well, I think the general concept of it is that we have to bring together um, all the experts and the people that uh, have a better understanding of road networks that, like I said, the traffic engineers, the the TransLink, all the, the folks who are out on the roads when uh, they need to get out and about, for example, you know, when this happened last night, I have no doubt that there were first responders like police, ambulance, paramedics, 
They were trying to get out to places and simply couldn't do it. And we're dodging bullets. Every time this happens, um, at some stage into the future, we're going to have a snow event and something else is going to happen and we're going to need first responders to get out quickly and they simply won't be able to do it. So the snow summit, I think the one of the outcomes of the snow summit by bringing people under one roof so we can hear from experts and be at a panel discussions, et cetera. Let's talk about what happened. It's not a blame game. It's not about pointing fingers at anyone. Mm -hmm. It's about coming to getting some answers to this so that we can prevent it from happening again. That's simply why I was calling for it. And I'm just perplexed as to why there's been such a lack of interest at the Metro Vancouver region. In fact, I brought a motion forward to New Westminster Council asking our mayor to bring this to the regional district. It was voted down five to two. The province of British Columbia says, uh, things are going well. Don't worry about it. We've got it all under control. I would beg to differ, and I think hundreds of thousands of other communities in, in the Metro Vancouver area would also beg to differ. I think we could be doing much better than we're doing uh, currently. And, you know, with these these blasts of winter seemingly becoming more frequent, uh, how how can you convey the urgency of this to your fellow elected officials? Well, you know, it's not just, it can't just be me. It really does have to be the public. I think the public, I mean, I was overwhelmed when I first called for the snow summit. I had people literally on the street uh, calling me and, and stopping me on the street saying, what a smart thing to do, bring the right people together in the room to be able to figure out what happened, what transpired, and if there's things we can do to prevent it uh, in the future. So it will take public pressure. I think, you know, we have over 20 municipalities in the Lower Mainland, and I understand that they don't want to have any kind of regional approach on all of this in terms of snow clearing and removal, but perhaps the time has come. You know, that's one of the reasons I also uh, have put forward a motion looking to get Metro Vancouver directors perhaps elected directly from the public, because perhaps there'd be more of an interest then in that case if there was that direct political accountability versus what we've got now, because at the moment, there's almost zero to, to, to just negligible interest at the regional area as well as at the province. Um, yesterday, uh, sort of in the midst of, of this commuter chaos, Vancouver Fire Rescue Services sent out a message, message on X, which of course was formerly known as Twitter, uh, that they were responding to about 30 vehicles that had crashed. Um, what are your fears with what that lack of preparation could mean for first responders? Well, I'm particularly concerned about first responders because, you know, when you look at the, the fire, the the, uh, the ambulance, uh, the, the police, they need to get to places really quickly. So when you call 911 and you call to get that assistance, you're expecting that they're going to be there as soon as possible. Now, imagine last night, you know, if you're calling 911 and uh, the east-west connectors plugged, the Portman Bridge is not working, the Patello Bridge is shut down. I mean... We need to make sure that we can cope with uh, these kind of weather phenomenon. And remember, yesterday wasn't that abnormal. It was simply no. one to three centimeters of snow. This was nothing like absolutely outrageous. But yet our systems failed, our road systems failed. And, and, and I would have no doubt that there were people who were trying to reach first responders and they probably couldn't get there as quickly as they could because of it. So I think every time these things happen, uh, we should be learning from them, but we're also dodging a bullet because at some point in the future, we're going to have this kind of weather event and there's going to be something else happening and we will simply not be able to get those first responders to where they need to be in time. And that's what I'm really worried about. In November of last year, you and Surrey uh, Councillor Linda Annis made you know, another push for a regional snow summit. Um, what is the latest on that as you guys have you know, joined forces on that? 
Yeah, in fact, we were supposed to meet today uh, to talk about that, and we okay. ended up, our schedules kind of got a bit crossed, but we are going to be meeting very soon to kind of talk about uh, next steps. So I, I did make an attempt, as I said, in New Westminster Council. Unfortunately, uh, it required four votes in order for it to pass to move up to the region, and it, it got uh, defeated. Mm. Um, I believe that uh, Councillor Annis is looking at kind of what she can do from within the city of Surrey. But ultimately, what this is going to take is it's going to take some of our regional directors at Metro Vancouver to bring this forward to the region and actually for it to be debated and discussed. Or it's going to take the the province of British Columbia to um, to perhaps take that coordination role and to bring the cities together along with the Ministry of Transportation and to have that discussion and bring those officials together under one roof. Uh, you know, as much as I can raise my voice as I'm doing now, and I'll continue to do that as will Councillor Annis, it will take a, a, a much broader and bigger push for this to actually happen. Really wanted to uh, bring on a guest that I've been working with over the last number of months on a very topical issue uh, in Metro Vancouver, and that is um, Linda Annis. Linda Annis is Council Linda Annis from Surrey, and Linda and I have been working on this whole concept uh, and advocating for the Snow Summit in Metro Vancouver. And I thought it'd be good to bring Linda on to the podcast today and for us to talk about not only the Snow Summit, but also uh, some housing issues in Surrey, given the uh, pace of growth that's happening in the city of Surrey, as well as the fact that the provincial government's brought forward a number of pieces of legislation that will have impact not only on the city of Surrey, but also on the city of New Westminster and other metropolitan areas throughout Metro Vancouver. So I've invited Linda on and I uh, had an opportunity to chat with her and uh, here is uh, my uh, interview. I'm here today with a very special guest. I've invited City Councillor Linda Annis to the podcast to talk about um, snow, housing, and perhaps anything else that might pop up in the conversation. Welcome to the podcast, Linda. Thank you for having me. So, Linda, I typically, when I start out my podcast and I have a guest on, I I, I ask the, the toughest question right up off the top and here's the toughest question I can start with you is who is Linda Annis? Tell everyone a little bit about who Linda Annis is. Well Linda Annis is a second term city city councillor uh, loving her work uh, and is also executive director of Metro Vancouver Crime Stoppers. Yeah I've seen you um, interestingly uh, and, and a lot of our listeners might recognize that name and go, hey, she's with Crime Stoppers. I didn't know she was a city councillor or vice versa. They they see you on for city council and um, didn't know you were with Crime Stoppers. So that's that's a, a very cool position and a very interesting one. And I know you've done a lot of work on that in terms of crime prevention, which is which is awesome. So today we don't have crime on the agenda for today. We do have a couple of topics. And, and one of the reasons, Linda, I wanted to bring you on is I'm going to start off uh, right off the top. Um, with snow. Uh, you and I are uh, in our, comfortably in our homes today as we're recording this podcast, but out and about, um, the Fraser Valley has some freezing rain. Um, the metro area has begun the big thaw. Roads are slushy, yucky. But we've just gone through, Linda, another snow event. So we've gone through now effectively a couple this winter, and then the past winter we had snowmageddon. You and I have both called for a snow summit 
uh, perhaps let's start with that and and you and I can chat a little bit about kind of what the vision is of that snow summit. So perhaps I'll throw it over to you to kind of help paint the picture because a lot of people have asked me, what is a snow summit? Well, for me, the snow summit is bringing together all levels of government as well as other stakeholders that make sure that our cities and roads are safe during wintry conditions. And as we know in the past, um, this hasn't happened uh, in the greater Vancouver area. As some areas are, are well taken care of and others aren't. So we, I think what certainly what I'm looking for, and I believe you are as well, is a coordinated approach to this to make sure that we have all bases covered and that we're being proactive in terms of um, snow removal and ice as well. And I know that people have asked me like, what would this look like? Like who would be there? And some of the folks that I've said is, I would love to see at the table and at this round table or panel discussions or whatever we end up doing for the snow summit would be like the heads of engineering departments at various municipalities, TransLink, first responders. Um, I would love to see the provincial government there because they control many of the, the highways and many of the, the, the bridges as well have um, oversight. Um, so getting those experts together in the room, even I would love to see tow truck drivers. I'd like to see people who um, have uh, you know, regularly drive out in the snow, like some some people who are subject matter experts, people who have had lived experience with this to get under one roof. Let's start talking about a better metro response so that we don't have ourselves, as they say, here we snow again, like one more snowfall and we're back at this again. Um, Linda, could you perhaps comment um, about the economic impact of these snow events, because that doesn't get mentioned as often as I think it should in terms of um, what happens when the third largest metro region in this country comes to a grinding halt. Well, it's very significant. You think right down to the general public, people can't go to work uh, because they can't access transit or their car. They can't make it on the roads. They can be lost a day's pay very easily. Certainly many stores businesses are closed. When you think of all of the compounding effect on our economy, it's huge. Uh, but talking budgets too, I also think um, at the Snow Summit, it's very important that elected officials are there as well, because in the end of the day, they're the ones that may have to approve additional funds to be able to manage some of these services. The other piece that I would love to see, I think you know, we, we maybe get a bad rap, but not entirely about Vancouver drivers not being the best in snow. And I think it would be important to have ICBC at the table to talk about maybe doing some driver training around driving in snow, people safety checks for people's cars about, you know, in the event you do get stuck, what should you have in your car? What kind of tires should you have? Uh, you know, there's so much that we need to know. And I think education will take us a long way. That's a really good point, um, Linda. I have not gone through all the full list of stakeholders who I'd like to have there, but ICBC is definitely one of the people I would like to see at the table. And I know that in the multiple interviews you and I have done on this issue of the Snow Summit, time and time again, inevitably, um, we have lot, while we have lots of support from the public on this, there are members of the public who say there's a certain level of personal responsibility that uh, comes into play here when you're out on the road, you perhaps aren't trained to drive in snow, you don't have the right equipment um, and you're getting stuck and then you're impacting literally tens of thousands of other people who are behind you. I think ICBC would play a very important role in terms of, um, like you said, are there other education programs or perhaps I know this might be controversial, but 
perhaps when the province declares that the region is under a snow alert, that people only with snow tires are allowed onto the roads for that for that time. I don't know. All I know is that we need to bring the right experts in the room and we need a better approach and we can't keep shutting down the third largest economy in Canada every time we get one to three centimeters of snow. That would be my perspective. And I would agree uh, wholeheartedly. We're not the experts at this, but we need to get the experts in a room and develop a plan. We need to be proactive. And I think it's the proactive piece that seems to be missing for me. Um, because oftentimes, you know, we know that snow is coming, but we don't seem to have a game plan in place. We wait till it actually starts falling or close to falling, and then we start responding. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And, and I know that um, another complaint that I've heard from the public is that you might be driving in one municipality and they're doing like a victory lap because their side streets are cleared and their sidewalks are cleared and you cross the boundary road and then suddenly you're needing a four by four to to get you know a quart of milk so it's it's really a patchwork um response and i think that uh, while i'm not you know proposing any solutions at the moment what i'm asking for and i think what you're asking for is let's get the experts in the room and i agree that some of the politicians should be there as well uh, but i i pushed back a little bit around you know people saying well you're just calling for more expense and tax on um, more snowplows. I don't know if that's the answer, Linda. I honestly don't know. I mean, maybe a hundred more snowplows will completely solve this problem. I just think that's somewhat of a simplistic approach and 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 response. But what's your thoughts? Well, I would agree for you. You know, and I think education is certainly first and foremost. If people know what kind of tires they should have, they know um, how to drive in snow a little better. Uh, I think those are, you know, certainly some things that happen and, and, you know, transit, of course, feeds right into it as well, because, you know, maybe there's something we can do around, you know, um, uh, having more buses on the road so people don't have to go in the cars. I mean, these are just ideas. I don't know. And I, again, to your point, I think that's why it's so important that we get everyone in one room. Yeah, and the other um, idea that that's been floating out there is around the use of the cell phone uh, emergency response system that we've now got working very well. Um, when there is a, perhaps a weather system that is coming in faster, or or it looks like it's going to be more impactful, can we use that that communication vehicle to encourage people to perhaps start leaving um, their offices or their home or if they have to go somewhere to a, another place, like using that communication tool to kind of help um, not create this mad dash of everybody leaving the downtown or everybody kind of like scurrying out at the same time. And then, you know, having the unfortunate um, circumstance of just plugging up the roads, right? So. And I think too, to that end around technology about, you know, having you know uh, your gps on um so that you know where you know there are bottlenecks where there are uh, icy roads you might think the fastest way to your home is the way you usually go but it could be filled with snow or ice but if there's a diversion area way you can get home uh, to know that up front uh, will certainly be helpful and i think back to uh, last winter you know when so many of the bridges were closed going south of the, the river um, but having the opportunity to be able to be listening and finding out what were the best routes to go, I think it was extremely helpful. Yeah, I think that uh, communication, 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 like if that was sent out, the, I know people have Google Maps, et cetera, and that is live, but if, if you got communication from government that said perhaps avoid certain bridges that they're about to close or perhaps certain bridges would be closed, they'd be cleared of snow, 
reopened again. I mean, there's a lot of, like I said, I'm not an expert in all of this, but boy, have I had a front row seat into mm -hmm. um, the impact that it has had on small businesses, big businesses, people, individuals, bringing their kids to and from daycare, picking up someone from the doctor's appointment, all of these things. Um, there's like, I, like I said, during Snowmageddon, it's like a million stories wrapped into like a couple of days of people being impacted. Well, and I think things like going home, so many of us don't bother to use Google Maps because we just, you know, intuitively know how to get home. But, you know, that's the time when we probably should be using it to find the, the cleanest and easiest way to get back home and get home safely. Now, Linda, a lot of people have asked me, both in the media and in the public, why um, our call for a snow, snow summit, which is now, I think, believe a little over a year now, We've been calling on Metro Vancouver and the province to uh, sit down to convene this snow summit. What, in your perspective, um, do you think is um, behind the distinct lack of curiosity or interest on the part of Metro Vancouver or the province to sit down and, and actually bring these experts to the table and have this discussion? I think what we really need is for uh, the province or Metro or someone to own it and to move this forward, to bring in all the stakeholders. Um, and I think somebody like the provincial government is a perfect solution uh, because they work with all levels um, uh, that support snow removal or, or maintaining our roads and keeping them in good condition. So I think it's the leadership piece that we need to have somebody own it. And I think the provincial government uh, is the perfect um, um, body for it to, to manage it. Well, I was watching global television a couple of days ago, and um, I saw Mayor Brad West from Poco was on, and uh, Mayor West jokingly said, uh, perhaps we could host it in, in Poco, because I know they've done a, a fairly good job in terms of their city around um, snow clearing. And I thought, that's the first time I've actually heard a metro, um, a metro mayor uh, talk about actually uh doing this which i thought was 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 really interesting but we'll see whether or not um that that potential interest in the snow summit goes beyond brad but i i must say it is rather frustrating like i brought a motion for it as you know linda to new westminster council and simply asked that our representative mayor johnstone uh bring this up to metro vancouver at the end of the day if they voted it down they, they voted it down but uh my council didn't even by a vote of five to two, didn't even want to ask the question of Metro Vancouver whether or not there might be uh, an interest in a snow summit. So I don't know. I, I'm I'm perplexed, but perhaps you could shed some light. What's what's your thoughts on why there's been such a distinct lack of interest? Well, I really think you know it comes down to ownership of it for for one part, and I think also municipalities look and think, well, I'm not doing a bad job. I'm you know, my, my city's okay, but they're not looking at the broader picture. They're not thinking about the highways. They're not thinking about the transit. They're just thinking about one small component and that's getting the plows out and getting the sanding or uh, brine put down. So I think we need to look at it as a bigger picture and have someone own it, like the provincial government. Precisely. And I think that the Minister of Transportation would play a, could play a very good role because they do have that big oversight and they're so integrated into our road network that I think if the Minister of Transportation announced uh, this week that uh, uh, Minister Fleming, that he would be willing to host this, I think he would get a huge round of applause from the public. And I think that they would very much um, be in support of that. So next steps on this, Linda, um, you and I have been having some discussions and while nothing has been firmed up, 
one of the things that that we have been asked by the public is what can we do to help? Like, what can we do to help the both of you to get this done? And you and I have talked about a uh, concept of perhaps launching an online petition to allow uh, the public to even just with a click um, add their name and their support to a snow summit, perhaps let our listeners know about what that might look like. Yeah, and um, you know, we certainly would need to have a, a, a website or something for it to, for people to go to. I think it's a terrific idea. Uh, I think a couple of things, I think one of the things that we should contemplate doing is, is actually meeting with the Minister of Transportation to kickstart it because I think if it's driven from his department, we'll get a wider acceptance. And, you know, certainly it involves not the provincial government just, but all the municipalities. And having someone like the minister take the leadership role, and I think would be a perfect idea. I think it is. And I'll tell you why I think Minister Fleming and, and the provincial government should step in here is because going back to my initial point on the economic impact, we are literally shutting down the largest economy in British Columbia and the third largest economy in Canada every time we have one of these snow events. So I think it's in the minister's interest. It would be in the premier's interest, the government's interest to actually call this and see if there's a better approach. And I'm more than willing to link arms with you and, and catch ferry and head over to Victoria and see if we can have a meeting with the minister. And I'm sure Minister Fleming would be more than willing to, to chat with us. And I think perhaps an online petition might help to um, allow the public to weigh in as well so that they can have their. So stay tuned for that. Um, uh, we're kind of preempting a little bit of this stuff, but uh, stay tuned. Uh, you heard it here first on For the Record. So um, we'll, we'll, um, you'll hear more from both Councillor Annis and I in the coming uh, weeks on that. Lastly, on this topic, um, I know that there is something called the Council of Councils meeting coming up on February 3rd. Unfortunately, I, I will not be able to be there due to a couple of conflicts in my calendar, but I'm not sure if you're going to be there. But if I was going to be there, I know there is an open mic, an opportunity to ask a question. And, and the one question I would ask is, is the Council of Councils, which is made up of basically every elected official within kind of the, the metro area, would they be open to uh, having that discussion and supporting the Snow Summit? So. Um, and, and and definitely there's lots of opportunity at coffee breaks and stuff to meet with your colleagues. Are you planning to be there at the Council of Council? Is that something that you uh, are thinking about talking about with some of your colleagues when you're when you're there? I unfortunately likely will not be at the uh, Council of Council. So um, that probably isn't an opportunity when I would have a chance to to talk about that. But I think step first, I think to to talk to Minister Fleming. Uh, and see where he what he can do and whether we have his support or not would be a good first step. Okay, Minister Fleming, if you're listening to this podcast, which I'm sure Minister Fleming listens to for the record, um, <laughs> you're going to be getting a request from Councillor Addis and I to, to have a, uh, a sit down and a chat. And I, I would very much uh, welcome that opportunity, Linda. So, so thank you so much. And, and uh, let's uh, wrap up this part of the podcast on our um, activities on a snow summit. Switching topics now um, before we wrap up, because I know we've only got limited time today with you, Linda. Um, I want to talk about housing. Uh, I know that the province of British Columbia, I've talked about it here in the podcast, has introduced a plethora of legislation in the last several months, which has got, I'm sure, your staff and the staff at City of New Westminster in the background all working um, like, you know, 24-7 trying to get prepped for all these deadlines that the province has set up. 
what's been the reaction in your community? Um, and I know you have a slightly, well, not a slightly, you have a very different community than I do in US Minister where we're built out and we don't have a lot of green space. You have a lot of green fields that you can actually do development. Um, are there shovels in the ground there in Surrey right now? Or are they getting ready to densify in these green fields where um, the province is now saying there's going to be a lot of densification coming very soon? Yeah, so there's a lot of legislation that needs to be understood. Um, the legislation that came forward and passed um, left a lot of questions, not just for the residents of Surrey, but also for the developers. So we're early days. Um, do we see shovels in the ground yet? Not, not for a long while. Uh, but there are lots of discussions around, you know, what's going to happen around the 800 meters around uh, SkyTrain stations, because as you know, we've got SkyTrain coming to Surrey in, in a pretty big way. So people are anxious to know, you know, how much more density can I get? Um, what is the parking reduction going to look like? Um, uh, which are good things. If you're living close to SkyTrain, certainly you may not need the cars that you think you do. And if developers can save as much as, you know, seventy-five thousand to a hundred thousand dollars in um, in in parking spaces uh, will help make homes more affordable. But there's so many unanswered questions. I'm not anticipating a huge uptake in the you know uh, densifying of individual lots. You know, putting on three to four homes, particularly because many of our areas in Surrey already have secondary suites. So that's an interesting comment. I I, um, I know that when this all first came out, one of the criticisms that was out there of this particular legislation is it's hardwiring in urban sprawl. And it's going to, um, for example, if you take a single family home and then you convert it to like six different units, if these units already require vehicle access because they're not close to transit, then perhaps three or four more other families or individuals are now going to need vehicles to get around and about. I'm assuming that places like Surrey and Langley um, were kind of the, the 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 foci of that particular criticism because you're you're not um, you're a lot of your community is not next to rapid transit. I mean, a big chunk of it is out in areas where there simply isn't any transit. In fact, I heard Linda that some parts of your community don't even have hydro access or or sewer or water access, and these might be places that suddenly are going to be open for development and how do you how do you handle that when you don't even have the like the public infrastructure to build well no um, the areas that aren't uh, currently serviced for hydro and um, water and sewer that all the infrastructure has to go in there first before you can put in any housing concerns are certainly you know if you are putting three or four homes on a single family lot what does it do in existing neighborhoods around you know the impact on schools the impact on um our sewer and gas, you know, do we have the ca capacity there? Uh, these are certainly all questions that need to be answered and how do we figure this out? But at the end of the day, I think for most developers, it's more attractive to continue building what they're building. And that is a lot of townhouses in Surrey. Uh, I see that before people are going to start to put three or four homes on one single family lot because Surrey still, you know, we're very lucky. We have a lot of land yet to utilize. So I, I'm not anticipating seeing a ton of that in Surrey. So I guess from your perspective, then sitting from the Surrey side, I mean, the province is, is put a lot of weight and a lot of political backing in this legislation in that it's going to create a lot more affordable housing and, and um, things are going to get better, you know, relatively soon. Is that would you share that perspective? Because it doesn't sound like that when you're talking about well, the timeline that this is going to take. 
Absolutely. I don't think the focus is going to be doing infill development. I think the focus here in Surrey will be more densifying our transit corridors, which if done correctly will build, it gives us tens of thousands of um, homes. I know that we're forecasted over the next 10 years to have in excess of 50,000 new housing units here in Surrey. And so that's a lot. And that was actually established before this legislation was put in. So, you know, I think certainly there's going to be lots of development here once, you know, the economy settles down a bit more and, you know, interest rates come down. Um, but I'm not anticipating seeing a lot of infill housing here. Now, um, I want to kind of slightly switch the topic, but still on housing and kind of on growth is just around the rapid growth that Surrey is facing. And there's a, like a lot of people are moving into Surrey. I can't remember the exact number. I'm sure you you know it. And perhaps you could let our listeners know it. But Surrey continues to grow really rapidly. What are some of the challenges around that? Uh, first of all, that rapid growth. And then how does this provincial legislation complicate or change your planning processes around uh, being able to deal with that growth? Well, we, we are expecting between twelve to 1,500 people, <coughs> excuse me, each and every month in Surrey. Our challenges are around making sure that our schools can stay, we can, we can get more schools built. We have an issue with a tremendous amount of portables. Uh, we have an issue around our hospital. We don't have enough space there. Uh, we need more hospital bedrooms. Uh, certainly we do have the Cloverdale Hospital coming, but that's not going to uh, reduce the demand too, too much because of the rapid growth we've got here. And of course, we need to be looking at opening up new areas as well for housing. But um, we're fortunate we have lots of land and um, we are planning to you know, densify around the transit corridors. So I do think that we will be able to meet the housing needs. Part of our challenge, though, will be in getting rental housing built uh, that's affordable. Yeah, and I think the other challenge too, um, Linda, is just around when I see the growth happening in places like New Westminster and Surrey, it's just the infrastructure. Like when you think of all the community centers we need to build, the new libraries we need to build, the new sewer, water, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And and I just, my I, my head hurts when I think of all the costs. And 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 I I, I don't want to be too critical of the federal government, but They've set very large targets in terms of what, like a million people over two years are coming into Canada. And that's on top of the temporary, I believe, uh, foreign workers and students, et cetera. We need to create a lot more housing. And, and in addition to the housing, what's lost in the conversation is all those other things that need to come with the housing is the schools, the parks, the all the other stuff. And that all costs money. And I'm just, I'm not seeing the province or the federal government opening up their wallet to municipalities and saying, here's a huge infrastructure fund that you can apply to do this. Because the only other way for cities, as you know, to pay for all this stuff is through property taxes. I mean, there there has to be a tax, a general tax added onto people's bills. Well, there's the premise too, that um, everyone that's coming to Canada aren't going to buy homes. So we need to be building more rental as well. Absolutely. And we've seen just the cost of rentals going, um, you know, through the roof. Before we we just jump off the, the, the issue of growth, I wanted to, to run, you and I were chatting off air about this, and I wanted to run this um, interesting stat by you, because I don't think you were aware of it, but someone sent me a, a statistic and said that New West School District is currently sitting at 5.46 portables per hundred per thousand students, 
and that's a 20.5% increase in students over the last 15 years. And apparently that is more than Surrey on both counts because apparently Surrey um, has 4.6 portables for every thousand students and it's had a 20% increase in students over the past 15 years. Um, that statistic really surprised me, Linda, because if I looked at the news, you would think that Surrey was in a worse position than New Westminster when it comes to the per capita portables, but it looks like our city, the Royal City, is just in as much trouble when it comes to dealing with the growth and getting kids out of these portables and into the classrooms as Surrey is. Well, uh, what I do know, and I, I don't know the um, New West stats, I'm, I'm not familiar with them, but I do know is we have almost 400 portables here in Surrey. And we need to be looking at innovative ways to get schools built. We need to be looking at P3 partnerships. We need to be looking at putting, you know, um, finding less expensive ways to get schools built, not having architectural wonders every time we build a school. We need to be looking at putting schools into podiums and high rises. We need to be looking at innovative ways so we can get more schools built or the problem's just going to get worse. No, I, I have spoken about all of those. I 100% agree. We need to be super creative on this stuff because what we're doing in the past and and look, I'm, you know, I love it when schools win architecture awards. It's wonderful. We can put the plaque on the side of the wall near the principal's office, but I'd much rather that the school just actually function versus getting awards. I, I think that I agree with you. We, we too often have gotten in, caught up in this whole thing of, you know, building the most beautiful school in the metro area. It's like, um, really? <laughs> you know, there's only so much, so many dollars and, and winning awards doesn't uh, mean as much to parents, I think, as getting their kids out of portables and getting them into, into real classrooms. Thank you so much, uh, Linda, for coming on the program today. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you have a very busy schedule, but I appreciate you coming on For the Record. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, all the best. Take care. Bye-bye. And now I'm going to introduce a segment that was on Global TV. Had an opportunity to be interviewed by Global TV on the Snow Summit. So here is a short little clip from Global News regarding an interview I did about the Snow Summit. A new Westminster City Councillor is renewing his calls for a regional snow summit to better prepare cities for snowstorms. Joining us now is New Westminster City Councilor Daniel Fontaine. Good morning, uh, Daniel. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, Jason. So you, along with Surrey City Councilor Linda, Linda Annis, have been calling for this snow summit since the big snowstorm we had back in 2022. So have we made much progress on that? No, unfortunately, we have not made much progress on that, notwithstanding the fact that both Councilor Annis and I have been calling for the province and Metro Vancouver to get under one roof, to have that snow summit, to bring the experts, the people that are the road engineers, first responders, in fact, even people who've been impacted by this in terms of like small businesses and, and everyone within the community to be able to have an opportunity to learn from these events and to try to prevent them from happening again. We know this is now the third storm that we're in, in the last uh, say year and a half and the previous two storms that we had 
One was referred to as Snowmageddon, which took people up to 12 hours to get home when it normally would take an hour. We, we owe the public a lot better than that, and we owe them a lot of answers as to why we're not providing a regional response to these snowstorms, because I know this snowstorm does not know where the boundary is between Vancouver and, and Burnaby, and, and as a result of that, we should be taking more of a regional approach, in my opinion. So whether it's regional or at a municipal level, where are we falling short in terms of advanced preparation? Well, that's the good question, and those are some of the answers that I would like to have at the summit, because I think by bringing in the experts, we can find out whether or not it has to do with the fact that perhaps we're not using the right combination of brine or salt or sand on the roads. We're not perhaps providing the public with advanced notification. I've openly talked about perhaps using for major snowstorms or, or a cell phone alert system telling people to stay home. There's a lot of things that I think we could be learning from a snow summit, but all it would take is the, the political courage and the, and the interest to get people under one roof. Bring, it would only be a day, bring in the experts. It's not a blame game. It's about learning and finding solutions. And, and I'm hoping that if we can get that summit together uh, and get those experts, we'll actually have answers to those types of questions as to what should we be doing differently to make sure that we can prevent traffic chaos and gridlock from happening every time we get uh, one to three centimeters of snow. Daniel, your naysayers or city officials may argue that uh, everything has a budget, everything has a cost, and there are other things like affordable housing and public safety that maybe are more important. What's your reaction to that? Where do you prioritize when it comes to uh, keeping people safe in the snow? Well, look, I, I look at public safety and I look at uh, today, for example, and, and last week when we had the, the recent snowstorm, our first responders are stuck in the same traffic that all of us are stuck in. So if we call 911, we're looking for a fire truck or paramedics to come to our home in an emergency, they are going to be stuck in that same traffic gridlock. And we're dodging bullets here. Every time we have one of these snow events and we, we have traffic gridlock, we're, we're dodging bullets in that we may have a separate emergency happening and we won't be able to respond to it. So it's absolutely critical that our roads are uh, as clear as they can be. And I understand that it's challenging in snowstorms, but with a regional response and a more kind of thorough, thoughtful response to getting prepped for these things, we can perhaps ensure that those roads are, are clear, clearer and safe and, and that first responders can reach people when they need to get to them. And that, that is one of my primary uh, concerns. And But like I said, with the Snow Summit, it doesn't necessarily have to be all about money. It can be a different process or procedure that we, we undertake, or perhaps even a different method in which we, we prepare and plan for these storms. So I don't know what the answers would be, but I think it's about time that we sit down and we actually get to some of those conclusions. It doesn't seem like a big ask to hold the regional Snow Summit. What do you think it will take and how do you think it, uh, things will be handled today? Well, I think what it'll take is a little bit of public pressure. And, you know, I'm encouraging everybody who's stuck in, in gridlock or stuck in three or four hours of traffic to pick up the phone and contact their local MLA or their city council. Encourage them at Metro Vancouver to actually hold a debate and a discussion about the need for a snow summit. I agree with you. It's not a very complicated thing. I can book the room for them, bring in the expert panelists, and we can uh, have that discussion and figure out how to move forward on this. It's not that complicated. I'm absolutely perplexed as to why there's such a lack of interest given how many people in the public have been impacted by these storms, how many small businesses have been impacted, first responders. I think we owe it to all of them to start providing some solutions to this because we know with climate change, uh, these types of weather events are going to happen more frequently. They shouldn't come as a surprise, and we need to plan for them better. Before that, we'll see what the response is like today. Uh, Daniel Fontaine from New Westminster, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on.
And this is a uh, interview that I did with Jazz Johal from CKNW. We had a chance to chat about the snow summit. It was definitely a hot topic this week, and I thought I would share with you my interview with Jazz Johal. You know, uh, when these types of events happen, weather events, um, we uh, get a lot of emails here at CKNW. We'll get emails from the Ministry of Transportation. Uh, we'll get emails from specific schools, post-secondary institutions. We'll then get uh, emails uh, from respective communities. So it's all these folks either preparing for the storm, reacting to the storm. Uh, but there never seems to be a cohesive response to the snow uh, in regards to how we deal with all of that in Metro Vancouver with 21 municipalities and then add, add to that uh, a regional government and add to that a provincial government that is responsible for our highways as well. Joining me now to talk a little bit about our snow response is Daniel Fontaine, a city councillor in New Westminster. Daniel, thank you for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me on, Jess. Uh, and let's talk a little bit about what's coming. We're expecting about 10 centimetres of snow overnight, potentially. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow's going to be a bit of a challenge, and then it may turn to rain. It may not, just depending on, on what happens tomorrow. And then we may get another 10 centimetres of rain. Um, has anything changed? I know you, you, you floated this balloon before, uh, a few months mm-hmm. back. Has there been any uptick in it talking together as a region in regards to the issue of, of just our snow response? No, uh, the simple answer is no. Uh, notwithstanding the fact that you know several hundred thousand commuters uh, about a week or so ago were impacted, several hundred thousand commuters were impacted during snowmageddon. Um, you know, a small skiff of snow, one to three centimeters, can shut down our entire transportation grid. Notwithstanding all of that, there is just a, a distinct lack of uh, interest and an appetite to. Uh, bring together the the right officials, um, the the folks who can perhaps comment on this and speak to why. Every time now, it seems like we get um, even a mild bit of snow, just a skiff of snow, our entire transportation grid comes to uh, a complete halt. And uh, I, I'm, I'm absolutely perplexed why there, this hasn't been taken up at the metro region, nor why perhaps the province uh, of British Columbia through the Minister of Transportation hasn't taken uh, a little bit of an interest on this and in bringing the players together because, Jazz, you and I have been talking about this for going on now 14 months since I've been calling for the snow summit, give or take, mm-hmm. and um, and we don't seem to be any further ahead to getting answers to some serious questions as to why our uh, transportation network cannot cope with uh, a mild amount of snow. Uh, even with this, uh, the Arctic uh, temperatures uh, uh, over the weekend and early last week, uh, I stayed uh, a little late uh, downtown after the show, and I think I left downtown at about 7.45. You know, there were some challenges at the Massey, Massey Tunnel there. Uh, it wasn't an accident, but it was just dealing with, with ice and everything else. Uh, it still took me two hours and 15 minutes to get home. Uh, and, you know, and, and is the challenge, do you just, do you think, Authorities not wanting to be held accountable is that is that the core issue in your mind? Mm-hmm. You know, I've been asked to to comment on that a number of times, and I, I'm only led to believe that you know a lot of people do not want to sit down in a room and potentially have fingers pointed at them. And I've I've said countless times uh, over the last year or so since we had the initial snowmageddon that this isn't a blame game. This is about learning. And if you continue to repeat the same behavior over and over, you know what they say uh, about that, Chaz. I mean, we're, we're continually um, facing these, these snowstorms. 
Uh, we people get impacted uh, post the snowstorm. We talk about could we do things better, and then the rain melts the snow away, and away we go. We wait for the next snowstorm to arrive. We we should be and, and could be doing a lot better. We could be learning from other Canadian cities. We could be talking about whether or not our regional governance model around how we approach and react to this could be modernized. We could um, you know be talking about how the the province is better integrating its snow removal with with municipalities. I mean the list goes on and on, but you can't do that unless you bring the right experts into the room and we have that discussion and it may trigger a, you know discussion around mandatory snow tires or other things that you know might be controversial. Bring it on, let's have that discussion. And then let's see if we can come up with some solutions. I think you raise a good point there, particularly around regional government. Um, I know some communities will be hit harder than others uh, in Metro Vancouver tomorrow. The ones that are spared will be doing a victory lap in some way through press <laughs> releases. Uh, I can already see it coming. Uh, it always happens uh, when you sometimes go, well, if we know that, let's say in the case of the Arctic um, Arctic uh, front that hit us, turns out Burnaby and Coquitlam, based on our reports, were hit a little harder around the Highway mm-hmm. 1 and some of the hills in, in, in Coquitlam and Burnaby area. If we had a regional response and you see it coming, you can redirect resources mm-hmm. to those areas, right? Uh, rather than saying, well, I'm responsible for XYZ community and my, let's say, 75,000, 100,000 residents, we did okay. We're going to keep our trucks just running around doing their thing, even though we're going to be okay, compared to, let's say, in this case, Burnaby and and uh, Coquitlam perhaps needing uh, more resources. In, in many ways, one could argue, I guess our snow response is kind of like governance. It's, it's, it's very balkanized. Yeah, we, we need uh, less excuses, fewer victory laps, and, and more solutions. And I think that until we get to the solution phase of actually figuring out that perhaps we can redirect resources from one city to another um, that's perhaps having a struggle or an issue with snow removal, we're going to be repeating this uh, rinse and repeat over and over until we get this this done. I mean, our region has grown so significantly. There are more vehicles on the road now. <clears throat> the capacity for um, uh, usage of vehicles hasn't really expanded much. When we're getting these snowstorms, we're getting things like the snow bombs on, on uh, you know, things like the Portman Bridge with new designs. All of these things have to be factored into the context of climate change and the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm always, I, I do chuckle a bit when, when elected officials say I'm surprised that this has happened. I mean, some of these are the same elected officials who've been telling us for two decades that climate change is going to impact our weather. And then they're surprised that they can't clear the snow in their cities. I mean, we have to get real with this and, and begin working towards solutions versus simply, you know, making excuses or doing victory laps. That is true, and uh, I think we had a guest the other day saying we're probably going to add another 200,000 people uh, to the region over the next year or so. So it's not going to get any easier, that's for sure. Daniel, uh, stick with it. Uh, Hope you're successful uh, sooner (laughs) rather than later. Really appreciate your time today. I'm going to stick with it. Thanks, Jess. You've been listening to For the Record with Daniel Fontaine. The opinions expressed in this podcast are my own and not necessarily representative of New Westminster City Council. Thanks for tuning in.